Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Happy Wednesday to you, and you know what that means. It's Everybody Wednesday today here on the Bottom Line. Everyone who calls in to the Bottom Line Show at 800-227-5278 will win something. Uh, some of our listeners are going to win a copy of Pastor and Author John Onwachekwo's book, We Go On, Finding Purpose in All of Life's Sorrows and Joys. John's going to join me in segment two of the program to discuss that. But anybody else who wants to call in and chime in as we open up the phones later this afternoon at 800-227-5278 uh, can weigh in on the topics at hand. And if you so choose, not everybody who calls in wants a prize. Uh, I get it. If you don't like clutter, I get it. I mean, I absolutely get it. Nobody wants to have that stuff hanging around, you know, makes perfect sense. But if it, or, you know, think about the ways you can bless someone else with a gift. You know, if we're talking about a book or a resource or a movie, uh, we've got a lot of things in our prize chest. And, you know, i got to let you know a secret. You know, Joel's out playing golf today. He's usually running the board, but Wednesday's Todd Stickler Day. And, oh, by the way, I, did, I didn't mention this to Todd. It's also the anniversary of the birth of one of my favorite singer-bass players, James Dewar. And in the spirit of uh, uh, George Barna, who was with us on the program yesterday, I'd love to get Robin Trower music everywhere. So if I need to send you some stuff, just uh, send me something during the break, and I'll be happy to do that because nobody sang and played bass like jimmy d that's for sure um but today in a, you know the everyone wins part we're going to dig into another aspect of the uh, political world that we talk about often here on the bottom line show and that is why does the mainstream media have this uh love affair with lies and i, I mean this sincerely they're the ones who are always screaming donald trump's a liar and republicans who support election overturning is a liar lie big lie big lie big lie we can't count. There's not enough time every week on the broadcast, 90 minutes every day. But there's not enough time for us to count the number of lies that the mainstream media are perpetuating right now with regard to anything. You know, uh, granted, there are some tall tales told on the Republican conservative side of the equation. No, no doubt. And it's our job as believers to be responsible. You know, that's the whole analysis, balance, clarity, and discernment part of the conversation here on the Bottom Line Show. Analysis. Do as much homework as you can. Read more than one source on a story. Most every news story that you find on social media, anyway, comes with little colored letters and words. They're, that The official term is hyperlink, and that just means if they say there was a report in the New England Journal of Medicine, and it's in blue, and everything else is written in black type on the white page, click the blue, and boom, you're right through. Sometimes you get the actual report, maybe an article on the report. Uh, read from different sources. Get some balance. Don't just go to Fox News all the time or Newsmax all the time. Or even, and I mean this sincerely too, don't just listen to the bottom line show. I mean, I, I'm thrilled. We have so many people who say, this is my first choice. I'm glad. But get other opinions. Have conversations with people who disagree with you. See if you can do it in a civil fashion. And then once you've done the analysis and you've gotten the balance, then you can get clarity. What's really at risk here? What's really at stake? Are we in a climate crisis, for example, because uh, the Earth's atmosphere is changing and we're putting too many carbons in the air? Or is there a climate crisis because there's big money from the federal government and 97% of the researchers who like the government for their grants are willing to play along? I mean, those are fair questions to ask. And I don't put them both up as yes, no. But rather, you know, just to say, well, let's see where the truth is, because there may be some truth in both of those points of view. 
That's where the clarity and the issues comes up, and that's where the discernment comes in. And you, we can't have these conversations if you've got mainstream media not only running amok with lies, Donald Trump's a lawyer, um, <clears throat> or the science has settled on COVID. I mean, gang, we know when people's lives are at risk, we take that very seriously. When there's the danger of a pandemic that could spread and kill bazillions of people, we take that seriously. But when people who are responsible for disseminating the news try to shut down other opinions, that's a big deal too. And uh, the Surgeon General of the state of Florida, Joseph Ladapo, shared his concerns on, this is uh, full transparency, was on Tucker Carlson tonight on Fox News, Monday night. And as the CDC is stepping back from guidelines with regard to COVID vaccines, who needs it, who doesn't, the New York Times doesn't care. Breaking news this morning. You know, the FDA has approved uh, vaccinations for 5 to 11-year-olds who are at literally no risk of getting COVID and dying unless they have a massively compromised system like they have leukemia. Did children die? Yes. But the infection rate, the test positive rate, I mean, there's 77 million kids in the U.S. And, uh, that's under the age of 18. And when you, that's still the definition of kid, by the way. And when you take a look at the number of kids, the, the reports of infections, it was pretty high. There were like 14 million kids reported testing positive for COVID. The death rate was 1,400 or less. I mean, for a long time, it was 377. No one would declare that a, a pandemic of, you know, you've got to vaccinate everybody. Kids weren't getting vaccinated. They were getting COVID, getting over it. Lisa and I are convinced our granddaughter gave it to us. She might have had it for an hour and a half, 18 months old. Just, you know, hey, Grandma, hey, Grandpa, got COVID. Bye, we're going home. I mean, that's literally no ill effects for her whatsoever. Now, that's not to minimize the fact that some children did get it and die. There was a kid at our school who I had was battling leukemia and may have picked up COVID, and that sped things along because his immune system was shot. But when the Surgeon General of the state of Florida takes to national media, the Florida Department of Health last Friday, recommended that men ages 18 through 39 not get the COVID vaccine. And the reason why is, quite frankly, now that they're looking at cardiac-related health risks to the COVID vaccine, the Surgeon General of the state of Florida, the top health official in the Sunshine State, asked the question, if we had known two years ago that this vaccine would increase cardiac deaths in young men between the ages of 18 and 39 by 84% would this vaccine have been approved. I mean, the death rate between men ages 18 to 39 in the U.S. isn't typically high anyway. They'll die from cancer. They'll die from reckless living. You know, they're, these are the daredevil guys. They work dangerous construction jobs. I mean, th there are lots of reasons why men in that age group would pass away. And we think of anywhere between 18 and 39 as being very young. But the reality is when you find out that there are more cardiac deaths between men ages 18 to 39 by nearly double in two years. And they can link taking the quote unquote vaccine. I mean, literally, the analysis by the Florida Department of Health showed an 84 percent increase in the relative incidence of cardiac cardiac related death among men 18 to 39 within 28 days following the mRNA vaccination. 
So Twitter removed the statement and said, quote, their current misleading information policies cover synthetic and manipulated media, COVID-19 and civic integrity. If we determine a tweet contains misleading or disputed information per our policies that could lead to harm, we may add a label to the content to provide context and additional information. Remember, follow the science. So here's a scientist, MD, PhD, Dr. Joseph Ladapo, Surgeon General of Florida. And what does he get for posting his medically qualified opinion with regard to data? As Did I mention he's the Surgeon General? Does that not make him the top medical official in the state of Florida, the fourth largest state in the U.S.? The third largest. Isn't New York down to four now? And Twitter silences him, blocks not only the tweet, but blocks him from sharing the study. So this is where we live. And oh, by the way, did I mention Dr. Joseph Ladapo? Well, you'll see the picture at bottomlineshow.com. There's another reason why media should be not censoring this guy. And yet you have to ask the question. With the world coming to the point that it is right now, why are we here? Or maybe more importantly, okay, I'm here. I'm not questioning why I'm here, but what is my purpose in life? Well, pastor and entrepreneur John Onwachekwa has written a book on this issue using photography, uh, talking about, you know, what does work, wealth, and power really mean in terms of fulfillment in life and religion and family. And he uses a phrase that's familiar to those in the civil rights movement. It's called, we go on. Finding purpose in all of life's sorrows and joys. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com as we continue. John Onwachekwa and I will discuss this issue of finding purpose. In spite of all the craziness that's happening in the world right now, that conversation is coming up next as the bottom line continues. You know, I, I think about what the purpose of life is. And for a lot of people, when it comes to life that is about to be born, their question is, well, if I want to have a baby, then the baby's a human being. And if I don't, then it isn't. But God doesn't work like that. And our friends at Preborn understand that. And bottom line listeners understand that, too. One of the ways that the enemy tries to stifle information, like what happened to Dr. Joseph Ladapo with Twitter, is they don't want women to see the ultrasound of the child who is growing inside of their womb. Preborn says once mother and child meet each other, 85% of the time they say we are going to see each other literally on the other side of this pregnancy. Your $28 donation makes that possible for one child to be seen by his or her mom as part of an ultrasound. A $140 donation saves five kids' lives. $280 donation saves 10 kids' lives. Will you make your best donation gift right now? It's totally tax deductible, and every penny you donate right now is going to ultrasounds through Preborn. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. 833-850-2229. Mention the Bottom Line Show and K-Bright Radio for more information on that. Or you can go online, click the Preborn banner. When you go to kbrightradio.com, you can give that gift in 28 seconds or left. Save a child through ultrasound and preborn today. Want to continue receiving income into retirement with little market risk? Dennis Wilson and Wilson Financial Services can help you secure a permanent income and benefits addressing your risk tolerance with professional advisory knowledge. 
you have a large 401k or IRA as your retirement nest egg. How about a four-dimensional plan that will pay you and your spouse income for life without stock market risk? How about we include inflation benefits so your income goes up annually? How about we include extra income benefits for long-term care and if you need one or both, you both have it? That's right, permanent income inflation benefits, long-term care benefits with no market risk. We have put over $50 million of our clients' money in the 4D account in the last few years. These clients are sleeping way better at night. Learn more when you call Wilson Financial today at 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Well, special guest joining me today here on the Bottom Line Show for a conversation about something that is a question that a lot of people have been asking of late, but it's not often you find a resource that actually deals with this question about finding purpose in life uh, in a way that this book has uh, been laid out to. Uh, joining me today here on the Bottom Line Show is Pastor John Anwuchekwa, who is teaching pastor of Cornerstone Church in one of Atlanta's oldest inner city neighborhoods. He certainly currently serves as a council associate for the Gospel Coalition as well. He's the author of this brand new book called We Go On, Finding Purpose in All of Life's Joys, uh, sorrows and joys. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. John Anwochekwa, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Hey, thanks, man. Glad to be here. It's good to have you here. And I, I'll get this out of the way right off the bat. Your last name is like every Scrabble player's dream. So thank you for being patient with me as I, as I learned how to, to, to pronounce this properly. Let's talk about this book. I mean, the, the, the phrase we go on obviously is, has some kind of meaning for you. What, what exactly is the purpose behind using a phrase like that to help us uh, discover what we're all looking for was what is our purpose in life, especially when a life can be filled with so much sorrow as well as so much joy? Yeah, so I do feel like um, the tough thing about life, as we all have come to uh, learn, is that um, none of our, uh, nobody gets to live the life of their dreams, right? In some way, shape, or form, uh, nothing in life is all that we thought it would be. And I think so many times when we're caught up in heartache and trial and disaster, we look for the finish line. And our hope is, when is it going to be done? And I think the title of the book really comes from the fact that um, hope isn't found in any circumstantial finish line. I -hmm. think hope is found in the ability to move forward, right? So the purpose of the book is not to help anybody arrive at a finish line. It's to help those who feel stuck after the most unimaginable things take place. It's to help them move forward. And if we can take that next step and continue to go on together, then that's where we find a sense of purpose moving forward. And that's interesting because using that uh, that metaphor, if you will, and thinking about going on and how many times the, that we are tempted when we are trying to find meaning and purpose in life, if things don't go our way or we're knocked sideways or whatever, the tendency is to say, I need to just kind of hold steady right now. I'm not going right. to keep going on I'm gonna, at, 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 until I get my bearings. But then right. how easy it is for us to say, okay, well, I've got my footing here, so maybe God wants me to go on, but I'm just going to make this you know, my spot for a while. Uh, you talk right. about in this book, we go on, that a lot of times people are wind up frustrated because they're trying to find meaning and purpose in their life in things that are really temporary. Talk about why right. it's important to think about you know, the perspective of 
what here is temporary, what is eternal, what is going to make a difference in the lives of other people after we're gone? Yeah, so I think the most eye-opening part of that that, uh, was this. I felt like um, seven years ago this month, I lost my brother suddenly and quickly. And Mm. I was in a space where I just felt like as a result of losing everything, life was just meaningless, meaningless. And I thought the solution was gaining back some of what I lost. And I realized that my joy was tethered to circumstances when I picked up the book of Ecclesiastes. And I read a guy who, uh, he arrived at the same place I did, but it wasn't because he lost every temporal thing, but he gained it all. So he got it all and said, meaningless, meaningless. I felt like I lost it all when I said the same thing. And the only thing I think we both had in common was that our joy was tethered to temporary circumstances. And where it's tied, I think you're always going to find yourself in despair or having a reason to despair um, that we only really truly find or enjoy purpose in and through the temporary things, when we kind of take those scissors and untether our joy from the circumstances that surround us. So mm. yeah. That's helpful and powerful. Pastor and author John Onward yeah. Chekwa is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called We Go On, Finding Purpose in All of Life's Sorrows and Joys. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, you are pastoring in an area of the United States right now, Pastor John, where a lot of people have asked that question for generations, not just because of the last two years of uh, uh, COVID yeah. or maybe because of the current inflationary struggles that we're going through or even with the war that's happening right now uh, with between Russia and Ukraine. But talking about generationally, how... Uh, facing struggle, facing way more sorrow than joy, and then still having faith in God. Talk about how that informs someone's faith, especially when you present it, this, this uh, hypothesis, if you will, to people who, who don't know that kind of struggling, that kind of sorrow. Right. That kind of, what's it, I mean, I, what kind of vibe do you have in your church when you took over, when, as you're there you know, preaching this kind of message? What, what, I'm sure the reaction is a lot different at your church than it would be, say, in my church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, one of the things that we found or that I found is that people who find themselves undergoing deep sorrow um, on a continual basis are often better prepared to hear about um, the hope of a world to come and that they aren't as blinded uh, by the shallow substitutes that are provided in and through life, right? So, Um, There's a way in which, you know, sorrow, trouble, heartache, persecution uh, sober us up and remind us that uh, this can't be all that there is, right? That it's people that are in the deepest darkness that are better prepared to um, look upward as opposed to trying to look uh, around at their surroundings for joy. So in an interesting way, um, you know, I've been in Atlanta 13 years. And when I first moved here, uh, we moved to a, uh, or we lived in Buckhead in a wealthier, more well-to-do part of town. 
right. then four years in, we moved uh, to the West End, and we've actually seen uh, that in some ways it's easier for us to talk about hope to people that are accustomed to tragedy and not being able to buy their way out of heartache. Interesting. And I wonder how many yeah. people are missing the gospel, the true gospel, because of the bright, shiny objects that are in the bucket, in the Buckheads, or the Brentwoods, or the you know New York right. City's Manhattan's, whatever, where people right. think this is what I aspire to, and right. it, it it's a godly balance, isn't it, uh, John? On yeah. check, well, I mean, the idea that you want people to have goals and dreams, and and I don't think I mean God says be fruitful and multiply, so you don't start a business Absolutely. and hope that it hope that it fails. I mean, you want it to do right. well. But then how do you keep your true spiritual vision when you are accomplishing right. things? And I think you said something so deep just a moment ago about the fact that those who have been acquainted with sorrow more than joy actually have hearts that are better prepared for hearing the true gospel, having it transformed their lives. But then what do we expect after that? Because I'm sure at that point, now here comes Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But right. what kind of hope do we live in then, knowing that your life has been so tethered to sorrow, John Amuchekwa? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that the hope that we live in is um, once we step out of uh, imagining that our hope uh, is going to be found in relief from the bitterness in life, then we like start to notice all the subtle. Uh, uh, sweetnesses that God leaves behind, right? Yeah, it's kind of like coffee. So I love black coffee. And Amen. the reason why I love it, right, is because there's so many people that, that want to mask it with stuff, with cream, sugar, and all that, and that's fine. But I say, no, 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 no. If you just embrace the fact coffee by nature is bitter, right, and just... Mm -hmm don't try to run from it, but lean into it, then you get a chance to notice some of the subtle sweetnesses and flavors and all that stuff that you would throw away by trying to mask it uh, with sweetness. And I feel like life is the same way, that as soon as we step back and we say, no, 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 nothing in life is going to be all that we hoped that it would. Life is going to be like this cup of black coffee, and it is going to be bitter in ways that we didn't expect. But if we lean in it, then it's in that, it's in and through those hard times that we not notice the subtle sweetnesses that life has to offer, right? It's in and through struggling through the years of bitterness that may exist in a marriage that you become acquainted with the depth that both, uh, with the depth of the love that both partners have for each other, right? It's through, like my, my wife and I, it's through, you know, 15 years of unexplained infertility uh, that as we've leaned into that and tr try to trust God through that, that when the adoption of our daughter took place five years ago, we noticed and we can appreciate some of the subtle sweetnesses yes. of waking up in the middle of the night to cries which is an inconvenience to most, right. but it was a joy for us because it was a gift from God. And so I do Amen. think that you start to find um, that hope isn't based on your external surroundings, right? Mm -hmm. Hope's not based on what goes on uh, around you, but when your hope lies in the God that is above you, then in any and every 
situation that you find yourself in, you realize there's a reason to hope, right? Amen. Tragedy is not a dead end. It can often pave the way to new beginnings. Boy, that's powerful. A powerful reminder about where we look for hope and what our purpose is in life based on the hope that Christ has placed in our hearts as well. Pastor and author John Onwuchekwa is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. His brand new book is called We Go On, Finding Purpose in All of Life's Sorrows and Joys. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. John Onwuchekwa is my guest today here on the program. We're talking about his new book called We Go On, Finding Purpose in All of Life, Sorrows and Joys. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Nothing but five-star ratings and Amazon. Is it, it's, is it any wonder that so many authors who are writing faith books, pastors, Christian business people, et cetera, et cetera, and they're tackling the tougher questions in life, like what is the purpose of life? What is the purpose in my life in particular? Is it any wonder that these books are so well-received? We have a couple of copies of this book to give away, which we'll do so at the end of our conversation. But I always like to give everybody who listens in hour number one the opportunity to get ahead of the curve here. 800-227-5278. Crystal is answering the phones right now, I believe. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line. Of course, today is Everyone Wednesday. And that means, so you get it, Wednesday Wednesday. And so anybody who calls in is going to win something. Now, we have a lot of people who call in and say, oh, it's okay. I don't need to win. I just want to make a comment on whatever it was. And we're going to be talking about a kind of a shocking new report on COVID uh, coming up after my conversation with John Enns. But I want you to think about what we've been through the past couple of years as a church, as a culture, the things that we have had to deal with, our own mortality, the fact that Maybe it wasn't, you know, what you had been suffering from in the past. Maybe you thought maybe your health was okay because your doctor gave you medication and you could take that medication and still keep going, even though you knew you needed to lose a few more pounds or your blood pressure was a little too high. Hey, guilty is charged on that. I'm not, I'm preaching to the choir on this one. I had been told I had had high blood pressure for years before my heart started to fail. And I realized that that was a warning sign that God gave me very graciously, and I didn't heed it until, until I didn't have a choice. But it's amazing how during that recovery time, I met so many people who either had one of two experiences, and it was either, oh my goodness, this heart thing happened, I'll never be the same again, and oh my gosh, this life is going to be so hard, or oh my gosh, this heart thing happened, I'm never going to be the same again. <laughs> Notice it's the same sentiment, just shared differently. There is purpose. And I, we were talking, Lisa and I were yesterday, about one of our kids who's going through a rough patch. And I said, baby, God is not going to let go of this hardship that this child is dealing with until he's done fixing this problem. Go on. That's what we do as Christians. And that's what we'll do with this interview on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues in just a moment. Pastor John Anwu Chekwa is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. John is the uh, pastor, the lead pastor of a historic church in uh, the Atlanta area, Cornerstone Church, uh, in one of Atlanta's oldest inner city neighborhoods. Also serves on the council as an associate for the Gospel Coalition. He's the author of a brand new book called We Go On, Finding Purpose in All of Life's Sorrows and Joys. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. John, I didn't mention I mean, that there's artwork in this book that's very, very striking. And the use of black and white photography, I think, is of 
great importance. Talk about the reason for doing that. I mean, if you're trying to bring out the richness in life and yet the photos are black and white, I mean, some people say, wait, man, where's the color? Talk about why that was right. you did that. It, 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 it's a, uh, first of all, the book as a whole, um, I think so many books are, we're used to seeing a picture on the front and then black and white words throughout. And I wanted to invert that, right? Because grief has a way of turning things upside down and you find such rich treasures in unexpected places. So I wanted the book to feel like, um, I wanted the book to come to life as folks read it. But I also chose, you know, the black and white, the gold, the sepia tone and all that because I wanted it to feel a little uh you know vintage aged timeless that I do think that the truth that's embodied not just in that book but in the book of Ecclesiastes is timeless and it's tested and there's something about seeing black and white beautiful photos even if they're recent that just kind of give it the aesthetic air of timelessness and i just wanted that to to jump off of the page it's very very powerful and as people are looking for hope in the midst of hopelessness uh trying to live intentionally and, and having more of a sense of purpose as opposed to than the purpose being for a lot of people which is okay i'm in business i want to make money and if i'm making money right. i want to make more money or if i if we're parents and we've got a couple of kids we want to have more kids or a bigger house or whatever and oftentimes right. we start adopting the world's values and making right. them our own or even trying to christianize them and we go on you talk about that not tethering yourself to temporary things, but to focus on the real deal. And yet this is a book that actually does look at themes like, you know, we talked about work and wealth and power. Uh, it also talks about social relationships and even the issue of justice. Ta take a, just a moment yeah. about how finding purpose and living intentionality can help us to really live out what God's plan is for an, an, an area like justice and social justice. When a lot of people think, okay, gosh, I got to look around. I got to find what everyone else is doing and I'll just keep, I'll throw my support behind that rather than saying, right. okay, what, how does God say deal with it? How do you address that in this book, Pastor John? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in this book, I, I talk about the, uh, what purpose does is it, it kind of fuels our tank, right? That what I'm advocating for is a patient endurance when it comes to working for justice. So on one hand, uh, we have to sober up and realize nothing in this world is going to be all that we hoped that it would be, even mm -hmm. justice, right? Earthly justice is often distorted, as we've seen in our world, in the U.S., yes. in the wars, right? Uh, but what we also know is that God's perfect justice is often delayed. So God is just, and we know that one day he's going to make things right. But that Amen. day is not today. So what do we do in the meantime? I feel like we work towards it. And to be able to have the vision of earthly justice is constantly going to be distorted. It doesn't make us apathetic in our concern, but it helps uh, the bottom not to fall out when we work hard to pursue justice and things don't work out like we hoped that it would. It reminds us, no. This is the broken world that we live in. Don't lose heart. Keep on starting to go forward. And it's the future vision that, uh, yeah, like 
Dr. King says, you know, the moral arc of the universe bends towards justice. So even though it may take a lifetime, Mm -hmm. we are those that know one day God's going to bring this tree to fruition. And we know that nobody sits in the shade of of oak trees that they plant. So Mm. we plant these seeds of justice and we can spend our whole life working joyfully, never seeing change, but still dying contentedly because we know uh, that God is going to birth the tree of righteousness out of the seeds that we plant. Mm. Boy, that is such a powerful illustration, a great word picture of the fact, and knowing a guy who I worked with the ministry for many years, who actually had a tree farm at one point, and took over a a farm where they actually did the cows and chickens and things, decided to plant some trees instead, and when his son asked him one day, he goes, Dad, what are you doing? He said, I'm planting your inheritance, because they knew it was going to take at least 40 to 50 years for that really to grow up and be able to to harvest that, and it would be a great crop when they were done, but he knew he'd never see it. And I, I talk yeah. about the, 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 the instant gratification mode that we're in, because a lot of people, as you talk about, say, an issue like justice, maybe I think pursuing using a temporary means to try to get a temporary goal instead of saying, look, God's justice, is it, it's right, it's true, it's perfect, and it's eternal. So if you right. don't get the victory in court here, you don't get the law that way, or someone does you wrong for whatever reason, we as Christians should be able to take heart in knowing we can keep working toward God's ultimate goal, but realizing yeah. too that it may take a while to get there because of all the worldly distractions, the sin that's in the world, the brokenness that's in the world. Right. Yeah. No, no, I think that's it, right? That it's not like it. it um, so, you know, Tragedy doesn't ruin communities. Tragedy doesn't ruin people. Hopelessness ruins people, Mm. right? And I think what we need is not to have some guarantee that the work that we do is going to alleviate future injustices. Right. What we need is to be filled with the hope that, all right, even if we are constantly on the wrong side of injustice, we're not going to continue, or we're not going to stop fighting for it, and we're not going to continue to live with integrity as we fight, right? You think of 1 Samuel, the picture of King David over and over and over, who had plenty of opportunities to enact vengeance against Saul, an unjust king, right, and, right. and he kept on saying, now nah, I'm going to maintain my integrity. But he doesn't say, I'm just going to let him off the hook. Right. He sits back and says, no, vengeance is God's. God's going to take care of this. I'm still going to act justly and work for a more just kingdom, and I know that I don't have to take matters of vengeance into my own hands. That's God. I right. just keep working towards justice. Sure. And and toward that end, I mean, every now and again, we are going to find that we wind up cutting off a little bit of the garment, you know, while they're uh, you know, doing their business and right, saying, right. hey, hey, I just want to remind you, I was here. You know, you had your back to me and I had you, but God's got right. this and, and I'm going to be. So we witness and we testify to the fact that God's going to make something happen. This has been a great conversation. And I highly recommend this absolutely. book. Pastor John Onwood Chekwa has been my guest. The book is called We Go On, Finding Purpose in All of Life's Sorrows and Joys. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. John, take the last 60 seconds of our time together and talk about the difference between trying to find 
gratification in the moment and really finding purpose, regardless of whether we're facing sorrows right now or joys in this life? Yeah. So I think trying to find gratification for the moment is like trying to tread water in the middle of the ocean. It Mm. may work for a short time, but Mm -hmm. eventually your arms and legs aren't strong enough to hold you. Eventually you'll sink. But when we look for joy in something eternal, it's like trying to float in the Dead Sea. I'm a terrible (laughs) swimmer. I cannot Mm -hmm. swim. Five years ago, I found myself in the Dead Sea, and the concentration of salt in the water is so thick that an ain't that in a foot and a half of water, a guy like me that's 235 pounds can lay on his back and float. It is hmm. impossible to sink in the Dead Sea, right? It's not just that, like, because you aren't held up by your own strength. You're held up right. by something that's in the water. And when we find our joy and purpose in the Lord, our joy is not held up by our own strength. It's held up by something in the water, right? It's yeah. held up by our great God, and it's a different experience as we float through life. Wow, that couldn't have said it better in a perfect way for us to end our conversation today. Pastor John Anwuchekwa yeah. has been my guest. We go on Finding Purpose in All of Life, Sorrows and Joys is the book. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com. John, thanks so much for your time today with us here on the program. Thank you, really man. appreciate it. All right. All right. Thank you. What a great dialogue and what a great resource, too. And it's my honor and privilege to make it available to you right now without cost. Well, we've got a couple copies of the book anyway, and it's Everyone Wednesday. So everybody who calls is going to get a copy of the book, 800-227-5278. Well, up until we run out of those books, then we give you something else. Just want to make sure that that's perfectly clear. 800-227-5278-800-227-5278-800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through. To the bottom line, uh, John Onwachekwa's book is called We Go On, Finding Purpose in All of Life, Sorrows and Joys. If you are going through a season right now where sorrow seems to kind of outweigh the joy, I have a good word for you on the other side of this break. This bottom line continues in just a moment. Clients love her. Insurance companies fear her. No other personal injury attorney knows the inner workings of insurance companies like Stephanie Cover of Cover Law. In a cutthroat industry where most attorneys don't even last five years, Stephanie Cover spent 20 years defending insurance companies, never compromising her integrity despite constant external pressure. During those 20 years, Stephanie Cover gained invaluable insight into the tricks of the trade. She knows more about your insurance policy than your adjuster does. Today, Cape Wright's personal injury attorney uses her unparalleled knowledge of the insurance company's playbook to call their bluff every time, even earning the grudging respect from lawyers and adjusters who know they can't get anything by her. She used to defend them. Now she beats them at their own game. Schedule a free, no-obligation consultation at capewrightradio.com slash coverlaw. She knows the other side. Just go to capewrightradio.com forward slash Cover Law today and get the ball rolling. That's Stephanie with an F and Cover as in cover. Also, make sure you have her number in your contacts. It's 877-214-4935, 877-214-4935. The personal injury attorney with personal integrity, Stephanie Cover. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the Bottom Line Show. My thanks again to pastor and author John Onwachekwa 
for joining me for a conversation about his new book called We Go On, Finding Purpose in All of Life, Sorrows and Joys. It's Everyone Wednesday here on the Bottom Line Show. So I, I can say, first, at least for the first three callers, everybody who calls is going to get a copy of John Onwachekwa's book, We Go On, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Crystal is answering the phones today. Todd is on the board. Uh, Joel's out playing golf, and I think Teresa has a mani-pedi for some time later this hour. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I can't keep track of everyone here, but we have, trust me, we have a deep bench here at the bottom line show in terms of who handles the calls and who runs the board. Um, when we were having this conversation just now about finding purpose in life, sorrows, and joys, um, of course, this is you knew that the biblical basis for a, a book like this would be the book of Ecclesiastes, because it's Solomon's great journey, trying to find meaning in life and uh, the, the legendary lines from Scripture, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. And you, you begin to understand, though, that a lot of the things that Solomon was talking about, this is the guy who God showed in a vision that he would get wisdom and he would be blessed beyond belief. And yet he made a mockery of marriage. He... He, he really did some horrible things, too, though he had all wisdom, but he, he shared some of the greatest insights of all. And one of the things I love about the story of Solomon is the fact that it's a phrase that I use often when it comes to trying to get to the heart of the issue, maybe the bottom line part of Scripture. And that's the issue of what we call Solomon's baby. Um, the, the idea that when someone comes to you with a problem and you are looking for the solution to said problem. Um, it, it, it never really comes down to, you know, what the proposed solution was in first Kings chapter three, but it really comes down to a matter of what's your motive, what's your own heart and what are you willing to do? Basically, how are you willing to act? This is an idea of, you know, faith without deeds is dead as James tells, James tells us in the new Testament. But the reality is uh, we see it in the old Testament. You, you know, the story, and maybe because I'm such a sanctity of life guy, I love this story so much. But there are two mothers who are living in the same home. One, of, They both have infant sons. Um, one of them comes to Solomon and says, look, you know, the baby, this, each of us have this situation. We went to bed. We woke up the next morning and, you know, one of our kids was dead and the other one's is alive. And the one whose child she thought was dead is saying, hey, wait, that's my kid to the one who's alive and the one who's holding the baby who's alive says, no, no, that's your child, the dead one. And, you know, I, I'm sorry for you, but no. And it turns out that in the night, the one woman had a child who passed away. And so while the other woman and her child were sleeping, she changed babies. And so now we're trying to get to the fact that no one could tell the babies apart. They're relatively newborn. And they come before Solomon and they ask, what would you do? And Solomon offers this wisdom. Remember, he says, we're going to cut the child in two the living child. And half of the baby goes to one mother and half goes to the other. And the women respond differently, but they reveal the true heart of the nature. The one who lost her child in the night, she smothered him. It was an accident. I mean, it happens, right? At least it did in Solomon's day. Um, says, okay, that's fine. The other mother, of course, says, no, no, I, I'm, please let the child live with her. And Solomon, in his wisdom, looks at that woman and says, that's the mother. Because that mother would do anything for that child. And, and you see the idiocy. I mean, just the complete illogical 
thought process of the woman who tragically lost her child in the middle of the night. She accidentally smothered the baby saying, oh, yeah, cut the kid in two and I'll take one half and you take the other. I mean, I, do we have to mention the fact that by cutting the baby? The reason I love the story is twofold. First and foremost, it helps us to understand what our real motives are. And God is far more interested in our motives because we will do things during the course of this life that are sinful. We will willfully do them. That's who we are. We're human beings. Fortunately, Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin on the cross. We have been washed in the blood of the lamb. We can repent from those sins. We can ask for forgiveness for those sins. And they're basically already forgiven. But to a dying world, they lack the discernment. They haven't done the analysis. They don't have the balance. They certainly don't have the clarity on the most important things in life, which is we are sinners. We can't free ourselves from that sin. We live in a sinful, fallen world, and we need a Savior. We need salvation. And Jesus Christ is that salvation. We can see that when God gives us the gift of faith and we receive that gift. And then we use that gift to be able to experience the gift of salvation and our sanctification that goes on from there. But think about the sanctity of human life for a moment. And why would that other woman, I've always wrestled with this, why would that other woman who lost her baby and is in a state of shock or denial or combinations of both, when Solomon says, I'm going to cut the live child in half, and she says, yes, I'll take a little bit of that because at least I will still have, well, no, I won't. Or maybe I'll feel better because now she won't have a child. Well, that, that's not the solution either. And it's interesting how what Solomon does here is basically say, look, I'm going to validate the living. I'm not going to denigrate the dead. But we're not going to make a mockery of the situation here. Obviously, one child died. Someone else is trying to pass this. I mean, he may not have known in that moment who was the real mother until he asked that question. But God gave him the discernment to ask that question, and he did. Now, we found ourselves in the culture that we're living in right now facing a similar dilemma. There is a whole, there are a whole bunch of people. There is a huge group of people who are of the impression that what happens in the womb with regard to the creation of life and the gestational cycle and everything that goes along with that is kind of arbitrary enough to them. We get pregnant when we want to get pregnant. We don't get pregnant when we don't want to get pregnant. And when we do get pregnant, then if I want to be a mother, then that's a human being. We're going to have gender reveals and baby showers and all that stuff. But if I don't want to be a parent, then it's a clump of cells. and It's not really a human being. And we could just eliminate that clump of cells. And it's a simple procedure, quote unquote. So the more things change, the more they stay the same. That's why I'm honored that we work with Preborn, an outstanding pro-life ministry. Uh, there's a new partner with us here on the Bottom Line Show. So far, we have rescued seven children. Is that right? I'm counting this properly. It may be more like 20. I'm sorry. We've had seven people all so far. And I would love to see if we get seven more today. A $28 donation saves a life, and here's how it happens. Basically, using the wisdom of Solomon in the modern era. You come to a pregnancy resource center that Preborn is affiliated with, and what do you do? They show you an ultrasound of the child. And now you can see the baby, you can hear the heartbeat, and you know that is a baby. There's no guesswork anymore. Not only that, that child has been blessed to have you as a parent. It's the first time mother and child see each other. And 
in many cases, Lord willing, first time father and child get to see each other too. And you hear that heartbeat and you see the baby 83% of the time, the parents choose life. And your donation makes that possible. You can go online to kbrightradio.com or thebottomlineshow.com. There's a picture of an adorable little baby there. Click on that banner, and in 28 seconds or less, you can save at least one life. It's $280, provides 10 ultrasounds. That saves 10 lives. $140 provides five ultrasounds. It's $28 per ultrasound. Or if you have a business and you want to be extremely generous, you can give a gift of $15,000 tax deductible and provide an ultrasound machine to a pregnancy resource center that is in desperate need. The wisdom of Solomon helps us understand how suffering in life doesn't always have to be bad. Sometimes that's how God gets our attention and brings us closer to him, whether it's the loss of a child or the loss of a job or the loss of a family member. But with the wisdom of Solomon, we look to God, who's the author and creator of life, and say, what are you doing here, Lord? We want to honor you, even if it means we have to give up some of the dreams we had, some of the hopes that we had, we've held on to. And our friends at Preborn play a small part, as do we, in helping save lives of preborn children all across the country. Be a part of that. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com or thebottomlineshow.com and click on the banner. Okay, we're still taking your calls on this uh, Everyone Wednesday for John on Wachekwa's book, We Go On. As we continue, we go on taking a look at something that maybe you knew about, maybe you didn't, and now that you're about to find out about it, I'll ask the question, are you completely convinced now that getting the vaccination, quote unquote, for COVID was actually the best, healthiest and rightest, safest thing to do? An official with Pfizer made a shocking admission the other day about the efficacy of the vaccine. We're going to talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. Newport Bay Mortgage will steer you in the right direction toward the truth about reverse mortgages. Owner Cliff enjoys educating every client and wants to debunk the misconceptions you may have heard. You'll see that an FHA-approved reverse mortgage gives you financial freedom. You can use it to pay bills, cover unexpected expenses, or watch your children and grandchildren enjoy themselves while you're still alive. Cliff informs you of the facts. Drawing from his 40 years of reverse mortgage experience, you must be 62 years or older for the FHA program and at least 55 for a conventional high-volume program. It doesn't affect any credit score points and can even be refinanced after one year. When considering ways to enjoy your liquidity in, before, or for retirement, you need Newport Bay Mortgage. Contact Cliff today. Visit kbrightradio.com slash reverse. That's kbrightradio.com slash reverse or 714-741-8080, NMLS 332959, Newport Bay Mortgage, an equal opportunity housing lender. You know, one of the great things about having a, a reverse mortgage is you've got money now so you can bless your kids and grandkids, especially if you're that grandparent who's maybe your kids would benefit from Christian school. This is a perfect way to do it. Uh, call 714-741-8080 right now for Newport Bay Mortgage, 714-741-8080. Or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash reverse today. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Just a few moments left to get in on the drawing for a copy of John Onwachekwa's book, We Go On, Finding Purpose in All of Life's Sorrows and Joys, a beautifully artistically done book, but also very well written, too. Uh, John Onwachekwa, the author of the book, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Okay, a, a, a revelation, and I, I sometimes would use the word shocking here. 
I'm not going to. I'm not surprised. I'm surprised it took as long to, to find out. Um, Rob Roos was asked during a uh, session of the European Parliament, I believe he's from the Netherlands, was interviewing the CEO of Pfizer and was asking said executive whether or not she and the other Pfizer officials knew if the COVID-19 vaccine that Pfizer had, you know, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, if it would stop the transmission of COVID uh, before they put this on the market last year. Janine Small is actually the president of International Developed Markets, if not the CEO, but uh, said basically, when knowing everything was working so quickly, Rob Roos asked, was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? In other words, did we know about stopping immunization before it entered the market? And her response was rather telling. She said, no. Um, I mean, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to know what was taking place in the market. But no, they didn't know. I mean, they honestly didn't know. And this is interesting because how many people wound up taking the vaccination or they were told there's a vaccination because the vaccination would stop the spread of a disease. And yet, knowing there was a pandemic and there was a timeline, but it was interesting that she kept referring to the marketplace as the driver. Why was it that the marketplace was determining this? I mean, in late 2020, it was the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, uh, published a piece that said there was no data available to determine whether the vaccine would prevent transmission or for how long it would protect against transmission of SARS-CoV-2, which causes COVID-19. But basically, they went ahead anyway. A lot of people said, well, this is just a huge clinical trial. Why are we being forced to do it? We're going to talk more about this on the other side of the break. Did you get the jab and now regret it? 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and there's some people watching on myhopenow.com right now going, wow, Roger's dancing. I mean, there's something about that peppy little pretenders tune, <laughs> that infectious hook. But the song, don't get me wrong, well, let's face it. I mean, there's been a lot of misinformation that's been spread with regard to COVID-19 and vaccinations and masks and everything else that's gone on. And again, we're not here to debate whether or not, you know, the efficacy of that type of stuff in that's in the sense of, well, I didn't and you did and you didn't and I did or, you know, whatever it is. My position on this has always been the same. And that is, if you wanted to get the vaccine, get it. If you don't want to get it, don't get it. If you've got symptoms, wear a mask. If you don't have symptoms, don't wear a mask. If you want to wash your hands with hand sanitizer, I don't think that helps a lot anyway. I'm not a big hand sanitizer person. If it makes you feel better, knock yourself out. And of course, physical distancing just makes sense if you're not feeling well. How many people will cover their mouth and take a step back and look the other way if they have to sneeze because they want to sneeze all over people? I mean, that's, that's just kind of a common courtesy. When the COVID pandemic was announced and the was called a global pandemic was in mid-March 2020, what we heard from the scientific community in the mainstream media was we're working on a vaccine. Remember Operation Warp Speed? President Trump was president then, and he was hustling. Everybody was running on crazy, like crazy to get this thing done because the vaccine was supposed to save everyone. I found it a bit curious, and perhaps you did too, 
that there was so much emphasis on the vaccine, there was very little emphasis on what to do for people who actually contracted COVID-19. I've talked to some close friends who said it was the worst experience they ever had. A friend and colleague, Joe Dallas, was in the hospital for seven days. Kevin Keating is going to be on the show later as a, a writer and a, uh, has a fantastic job in national security. Um, told me in conversation not too long ago when I was getting over COVID, he said the first time he had it, he felt like he was going to die. The second time he had it, he had been boosted and that made the symptoms worse or less worse for him. So again, everyone's had their own personal experience. I think most all of us know somebody who contracted the COVID-19 virus and because of other circumstances that were mitigating in their systems, they wound up losing their lives. I had a publicist friend who battled this for a while and then she passed away. But the CDC never backed away from the fact that 94% of the people who got COVID, if they did in fact lose their lives, had another what we would call a comorbidity and something else that could potentially kill you, like high blood pressure or uh, diabetes or hypertension, heart disease, things of that nature. You know, I, I don't mind saying with an artificially uh, repaired heart in two places, I was not a huge early adapter on something that was basically what looked like a big clinical trial. But I know members of my family ran out, got the jab and never had a problem with COVID. So, I mean, I, I'm certainly not going to find fault in people who did get vaccinated. But the question on the table today, 800-227-5278, is knowing what we know now, two and a half years after the fact, knowing what we were told by all the federal talking heads, knowing that there really was not an end game for the vaccine. You have to ask the question, do you have any kind of regret for getting the vaccine or maybe not getting it? Uh, phone lines are open 800-227-5278. What spurred this line of conversation is when a member of the European Parliament, a guy called Rob Roos, who's a member of the uh, uh, delegation from the, from the Netherlands, was asking a question of Janine Small, who's the president of International Developed Markets for Pfizer. Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson were the big three when it came to the jab, if you will, the vaccination crowd. Basically, he was asking Ms. Small about Pfizer, and he asked the question, did Pfizer do any kind of testing in their run-up to releasing this in the market to determine whether or not their vaccine could actually stop the transmission. In other words, if somebody had been vaccinated with the Pfizer vaccine, would that be the end of COVID for them? I mean, if COVID did come into their system, would they be at risk of transferring it to somebody else? And she said, well, no, no, we, we were, uh, we, <laughs> she said, we had to move at the speed of science, whatever the heck that means, and know what is taking place in the market. Now, when I hear that, the first thing I think of is the scientific part is everyone's rushing at these big pharmaceutical companies to put together a vaccine because they know governments are going to buy it and they're going to make it mandatory that people get it. There's the business part of medicine. But there were a couple of idiosyncrasies in 2020 and 2021 that we knew about and we heard about, but no one really pieced together. Case in point. The FDA in late 2020 wrote that there was no data available to determine whether the vaccine would prevent transmission and for how long it would protect against the COVID-19. 
According to a spokesperson for the agency, quote, at this time, data is not available to make a determination about how long the vaccine will provide protection, nor is there evidence that the vaccine prevents transmission of SARS-CoV-2 from person to person. In other words, what they're saying is we didn't do any clinical trials. We really don't know. Okay, if that's the caveat, if that's the explanation, I understand that. No one knew about this except for the National Institute of Health and the CDC and the Americans who were working with the Chinese back in 2014 to create COVID-19 so that they could create a vaccine for it. Pfizer CEO Albert Borla at the same time said his firm was, quote unquote, not certain if the people who would receive the mRNA vaccine would be able to transmit COVID-19 to other people. He gave an interview to NBC News in December 2020 and said, I think this is something that needs to be examined, but we're not certain about that right now. Fair enough. Again, former White House medical advisor, Dr. Deborah Burks, this past June, you remember she made headlines because she said there was evidence in December of 2020 that the people who received the COVID-19 vaccine could still transmit the virus. She said, and I quote, we knew early on in January of 2021 that by late December 2020, the reinfection was occurring with natural infection. Well, that's weird because the president of the United States took to the national airwaves in July of 2020 and basically tried to goad people or shame them into getting the vaccination. Quote, you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Chief Biden medical advisor, Dr. Anthony Fauci, a couple months before that, in May of 2021, told CBS that the vaccinated people, quote, are dead ends for COVID-19, implying that they could not transmit the virus. Quote, when you get vaccinated, you not only protect your own health and that of the family, but you also contribute to the community health by preventing the spread of the virus throughout the community. So why then... Did he say that in May? He let the president echo that in July of 2021, but then in a link that we have up at thebottomlineshow.com, two months later, Fauci said that vaccinated people are in fact capable of transmitting the virus. And then you begin to hear the shock of change. Fauci, Biden, uh, Rachel, uh, Rochelle Walensky, rather, the CDC director. They did a little pivot. They said, well, it's not that the vaccine prevents the spread. It prevents severe disease. It pre- prevents hospitalization. It prevents death from COVID-19. But it won't stop the transmission of it. How many millions of people got this vaccine under the pretense that it was actually going to stop COVID? And why did the CDC drag its feet on putting out guidelines for how to treat COVID-19. Remember America's frontline doctors? Dr. Stella Emanuel was one of them. She was with me on the program a month or so ago. They took to the Capitol steps, or was it the steps of the Supreme Court, wherever they were giving to Dr. Simone Gold uh, was out there. And they said, look, we can treat COVID. Don't wait for a vaccine. If you get the symptoms, come see us and we can treat it with ivermectin, with hydroxychloroquine, with uh, ZPAC. There's lots of things we could give you. And what happened? They were censured. Their videos were taken down. This is a lie. This is a fabrication. Our only hope is the vaccination. And a lot of people got vaccinated. And a lot of people went to bed at night going, whew, I don't have to worry about this. And quite frankly, relieving the fear 
actually did help people heal up. It's the fear factor that drove a lot of people to get the vaccination. It was the fear factor that exacerbated a lot of the medical problems because of COVID. But now you have this report from the CEO of Pfizer and the head of their international markets saying, yeah, we basically knew nothing about the effectiveness. I understand that, but why did they lead so many people to believe that they did know? And why is there still such a big push to vaccinate kids ages five through 11, kids under the age of five? Why is California considering laws to give teenagers the option of getting vaccinated without telling their parents about it? How do you feel? Let's open up the phone lines here, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Do you have any regrets now that you know? If you got the vaccine, and now that you know that everything they told you, this is going to stop it, this is, basically you're bulletproof. And now they're admitting, well, no, wait, it's like what the Attorney General, or excuse me, the Surgeon General of Florida said. We saw an 84% increase in heart disease and death among men ages 18 to 34 in our state who got the jab. So I'm recommending men ages 18 to 39 in the state of Florida don't get any more boosters, any more shots. And Twitter took him down for, quote unquote, spreading misinformation. Actually, what he said was more truthful than what Dr. Fauci said. But what do you say? 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line. Clients love her. Insurance companies fear her. No other personal injury attorney knows the inner workings of insurance companies like Stephanie Cover of Cover Law. In a cutthroat industry where most attorneys don't even last five years, Stephanie Cover spent 20 years defending insurance companies, never compromising her integrity despite constant external pressure. During those 20 years, Stephanie Cover gained invaluable insight into the tricks of the trade. She knows more about your insurance policy than your adjuster does. Today, Cape Wright's personal injury attorney uses her unparalleled knowledge of the insurance company's playbook to call their bluff every time, even earning the grudging respect from lawyers and adjusters who know they can't get anything by her. She used to defend them. Now she beats them at their own game. Schedule a free, no-obligation consultation at capewrightradio.com slash coverlaw. She knows the other side. Think about it. If Stephanie Cover was satisfied with her work with the insurance companies, she'd still be doing it. But she saw too many times the insurance companies really underpaying claims and not taking care of the little people. So she said, I'm going to put out my shingle and I'm going to open my own business. And now we benefit from her personal integrity as long as her knowledge. Go to kbrightradio.com, Cover Law, for more information. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Good to have you along. Got my camera back on here for those who are watching on myhopenow.com. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through. I'm curious, did you get the vaccination thinking that it was going to basically protect you from stopping the spread or actually getting coronavirus? And then you hear the testimony of the CEO of Pfizer and the director of international development markets uh, saying, well, we really, uh, I, I liked the quote from Janine Small. I'm going to have to use this sometime. Uh, when she was asked, did you know that you could for certain say this vaccine is going to actually stop the spread of COVID? And she said, well, no, you, we really had to, um, uh, we had to move at the speed of science. 
What does that mean? I mean, seriously, what does that mean? Science is constantly moving. Science is never static in terms of the discovery process. There are certain things about science that have never changed. Like, for example, we have weather. Different parts of the country have different weather. Does it get warmer or colder? Sure it does. But we do have seasons and weather. And there are certain things like rainfall and stuff like that that haven't changed. They've slowed down or sped up, but they are. We still have people. And a lot of evolutionary biologists have a hard time with the macro part of evolution. They can point and say, oh, yeah. I mean, I was walking on the set of The Chosen not too long ago. And I, I remember when Lisa and I were at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention the year before. Uh, for those of you on Cabrite heard the Dallas Jenkins uh, uh, little clip just a moment ago. That was where we recorded that. Uh, we went on the set and I'm looking at what looked like kids clothes that were costumes for some of the people on The Chosen. And when I was on the set, I asked I asked the casting director, why are these costumes so small? And they said, well, in Jesus' day, people were smaller. So we've gotten bigger, processed foods, you know, scientific advancement, whatever you want to call it. That's micro. I mean, it's changes. It's not evolution. We're still people. There were still men and women in Jesus' day. There are men and women today. It's society that gets in. And if they're trying to, quote, unquote, move at the speed of science, yeah, they're going to think, well, you know, sure. <laughs> we control all of this. Rob Ruse of the uh, European Parliament out of the Netherlands posted a video on Twitter on Monday that I'm surprised is still up there, actually. He said millions of people worldwide felt forced to get the vaccine because you want to save society, protect your family. How many people got my age, got the jab, because, well, I want to see my parents and, you know, they're older and, you know, whatever. I mean, what honorable, noble adult child would not do that for their parents? How many of them now have a regret saying, wait, I didn't need to do that. I mean, they didn't have any guarantee. As a matter of fact, in many cases, when you're taking what we would call a vaccine, I mean, there's no one calls the flu shot the flu vaccine. I mean, you might, but you have to keep getting it every year. A vaccine, by definition, you inject it into your system, and then basically it replicates what you would be fighting against. And so if that starts to show up, it fights back. I mean, that's a super simple definition of a, what a vaccine does. This vaccine, in some cases, I have to wonder, since it was kind of a new virus, were we giving ourselves the vaccine and not really equipped to fight it off? So by definition, how many people got COVID because they gave it to themselves? I mean, the, I think these are fair questions to ask. I understand there was a panic worldwide, but why did the medical community spend so much time focusing on one aspect of it that really didn't have any legs to stand on? I'm very curious. So that's why, and again, I'm asking with um, the reason that I'm asking, if you would like to come on and have a conversation, there's no shame here. Please know there's no shame. I would never fault anyone for either getting the vaccine or not getting the vaccine. I mean, that's between you and God. I remember uh, talking to the owner of Crawford Broadcasting, Donald Crawford, senior, when he was here in town not too long ago. First time out here in several years because of COVID and everything like that. And he talked about how he'd been vaccinated and boosted. And, and, I, and I thanked him. I said, you know, Mr. Crawford, thank you for not making that a corporate mandate. And he kind of looked at me. Uh, you know, a little different. And then he said, well, 
I said, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people have done it and that's fine, but they did it because they felt led to do it, not because you forced them to. And I think a lot of people had a hard time with that. States like Texas and Florida that did not have state mandates had the same vaccination rate, the same infection testing rate, the same mortality rate as states like New York and California that made it mandatory. The only difference is the economies in Texas and Florida actually thrived because businesses weren't being shut down because, well, we're testing too, the test is too positive in uh, LA County, so we're shutting down all the businesses. You know, we didn't have churches having to go to court for the right to get together once a week for an hour and two hours or three hours, or in the case of our Lutheran churches, 65 minutes. Um, <laughs> little Lutheran humor there about the Lutheran hour. Um, it's just, it's amazing to me how many hoops we had to jump through. And now looking back, ask the question, was it worth it? I mean, was this a bazooka that was being used to try to kill a, a mosquito? I have to admit, when I know of so many people personally, and I've heard from people, listeners, and this, that, and the other thing, and the folks that I've talked to that I really love and care and respect, there have been some who have been very gracious about our disagreement on whether to vax or not. And others who haven't been. <laughs> and I try to be as gracious as I possibly can. I know some listeners every now and again, why do you call it the jab? You know, okay, well, fine. I call it a jab. You call it a vaccination. The reality is the CDC never backed away from the fact that this virus did exacerbate pre-existing comorbidities. And the high death rate, when you talk about the millions of people worldwide who lost their lives because of COVID, Many of those same people were going to lose their lives because of high blood pressure or obesity or hypertension or atrophying muscles or whatever. People who had had cancer and had gone through massive radiation and chemo and now had compromised immune systems were more at risk. Jab or no jab, vaccine or no vaccine. And I still, for the life of me, cannot understand why the CDC has been so loath to talk about treatments. Millions of people have tested positive for COVID. Why has there not been a big push to talk about things you could do to prevent it through diet and exercise, through supplements, things of that nature? I, I, I do not understand if health was the goal, why there was such a mad rush as uh, Rob Roos of the, uh, European the European Union, the European administration. He said, look, I mean, millions of people worldwide felt forced to get vaccinated because of this, you do it for others. That turned out to be a cheap lie and it should be exposed. When even Dr. Fauci, the revered Dr. Anthony Fauci in May, 2021 said, if you get the jab, that's it. This is the ending point. You're not gonna get COVID. President of the United States told the world, you're not gonna get COVID, get the vet. What was it, the, um, the, the line from President Biden? For God's sake, get the vaccination. Remember that? Meanwhile, under his breath, a couple weeks later, Dr. Fauci was saying, yeah, actually, it's, um, it, it's not. Vaccinated people are, in fact, capable of transmitting the virus. Dr. Rachel Burks, who got rung up by the CDC, found herself packing her office. Remember, she showed up unmasked somewhere at Thanksgiving. Well, part of the reason why was she was critical of the mad rush to get people vaccinated. So what was the big lie? about anyway? Was it about a so-called stolen election? Was it about people who were denying science and putting other people's health at risk? 
or is it much greater? You've got one major pharmaceutical company talking about the science and the marketplace, but acknowledging that overall health was not really the end game. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. If you have a comment with regard to uh, whether or not you regret having gotten the vaccination, I'd love to hear from you. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Hey, I want to thank you for your support of uh, what's happening with our campaign with Preborn right now. It is so it's going so amazingly well. We're hearing from people who are making a donation, $28, saving one life through an ultrasound. I can guarantee you, by the way, the science is settled on this one. When a woman thinks she's pregnant, she can take a pregnancy test with accuracy and get a free one at a pregnancy resource center. Preborn partners with pregnancy resource centers and make sure they have an ultrasound machine. And then you get the good information that you won't get at the abortion clinic. And that is they'll show you the ultrasound image and let you hear the baby's heartbeat. And when mother and child meet in this way, 83% of the time, guess what? Mom says, okay, option number one, I'm a mother. Option number two, I can release this child for adoption once I give birth. Option number three, I know it's still legal here in the People's Republic of California to murder your child in the womb. But preborn is saving babies' lives one baby at a time. $28 is all it takes to save one baby's life. $280 saves 10. $560 saves 20. Make your best tax deductible donation right now. Mention the bottom line when you call preborn today at 833 baby 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com, click the preborn banner, and make your donation there. Let Wilson Financial Services help you identify proprietary financial strategies for your wealth that work for your life. Let's revisit our one-year CD. Had a client who had $500,000 of retained earnings in his corporation for the last three years. I said, if you'd have put that into this account three years ago, you'd have seventy-five dollars to $100,000 of interest versus what you have now, which is a nice round number. Had a client sell his house, had $450,000 in the bank. I told him, is he really not likely to buy a house in the next 12 months? You want to leave this in the bank earning nothing? Or would you like to earn some interest on it over the next 12 months? So he said, how much? I said, well, how about between 20 and 30,000? He says, zero versus 20 or 30,000. Yeah, he says, I like the 20 or 30,000. Sounds better. Aren't you tired of earning nothing with all the money you have in the bank? Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Congratulations to Deborah from Pleasanton who got a copy of Daniel or John Onwachekwa's book, excuse me, We Go On, Finding Purpose in All of Life's Sorrows and Joys. There's a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Taking your calls, one final segment here at 800-227-5278. Now that the CEO and the Director of International Markets for Pfizer have acknowledged what most people knew, I don't think there was any way you could do the kind of testing that needed to be tested to see if there was, in fact, a guaranteed transmission. Are you concerned with people like Anthony Fauci, who went on public and said, hey, you get the jab, you're safe, you're good, when they really didn't know if you were or not? Uh, What is your take on that? 800-227-5278. Let's go to San Diego now and talk to Katie. Katie, welcome to the bottom line. Hi, uh, Roger. I love your show, and I think you're so spot on about everything you spoke about. Um, I'm in 100% agreement with you. I'm unvaxxed. Um, there are some of the quiet medical community that are unvaxxed, and it does mean that sometimes I can't work at certain places. 
mm-hmm. just because they won't take a religious exemption. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of what Dr. Fauci said was microbiology 101. And that's really easy. First he said the vaccine would cover you. Then he said it wouldn't. Then he said it would make you asymptomatic. And A for Latin means without. Without, So right. without symptoms. So that means you're going to become a vector, which is a nice fancy name for becoming a spreader. And I thought, oh, here we go. <laughs> this is going to be with us forever. And it's going mm. to be with the people that get this vaccine. And the reason why, when friends ask you, why do you call it the jab? Well, kind of the left that was peddling this in a panic, the jab and vax was a word that they invented because it is not a vaccine in a classical sense. Mm-hmm. And changing your RNA is not healthy. It's not good. And when Dr. Fauci said it's not going to keep you from getting COVID, but you may get it less, well, the chance coming from the left were um, the science. I'm 63, and I've been a nurse for a long time, since 1997. I have never heard of such a term as the science. And I would try to correct people politely. No, it means it's Dr. Fauci's opinion. Because when you say it might make you less sick, it may make you less sick, that's an opinion. That's a personal Mm -hmm. opinion. That's not a fact. So the vaccine was absolutely useless at best, and it's harming a lot of people. I buried a cousin, perfectly healthy, took the vaccine, died of the COVID symptoms after getting mm. the vaccine. I worked with a 48-year-old coworker up in Orange County at a very nice hospital up there. Took the first Katie, vaccine. Katie, I, I don't mean vaccine. to cut you off, but the music means we're coming up on the end of the show. But I appreciate your thoughts and your comments. And I'm, I'm sorry for your losses, but uh, let's face it. I mean, there were a lot of people who went into this thinking they were doing the right thing and unfortunately wound up putting themselves at harm's, in harm's way. At the end of the day, are we more concerned about a virus that was constructed at a Chinese laboratory? Are we more concerned about the virus of sin that's been with us since the Garden of Eden? Well, guess what? There is a cure for that sin. It's the blood of Jesus, and it's available to anyone who will believe. And that's the bottom line. 